Welcome to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk. Here's your host, Jason Davis. Good morning, everybody. Happy Monday. Welcome into Soccer Morning here on WorldSoccerTalk.com. That's where all the big websites are. They're on the dot-coms still. Still. 20 years into the internet. 25, 20, 30. Hello, how old is the internet? Like 30 years old, right? Dot-com is still where all the best websites are, I think. Not all, not all of them. There are some good ones on the other. What, what, dot net? Is there any good dot nets these days? I don't know. It's a big Monday episode of Soccer Morning for you. Very excited about this uh, show this morning. We've got Tom Marshall, Mexico World Cup on Twitter. Mexican football writer extraordinaire. He'll join us to talk about the Liga playoffs in Mexico. We had a pitch invasion in Chivas, or at Chivas, in Guadalajara, excuse me. Uh, we have uh, some interesting news surrounding Kubo Torres. Uh, certainly Houston Dynamo fans may be dismayed to hear. We'll talk to uh, Tom through those issues. Also on this program, Kevin Baxter of the LA Times. Good time to talk to Kevin Baxter, considering that LAFC is set to announce their stadium plan today. This news is leaked. There's no more hiding it putting it out there on their Twitter feed. Uh, but they are still yet to have the press conference to announce this. But we'll talk to Kevin uh, about the details surrounding the stadium plan for LAFC. Are they going to enter MLS in 2017 or 2018? I think it's probably going to be 2018. We'll get all of those details from Mr. Baxter. But while we have a chance here, let's run down some headlines ahead of Tom Marshall joining us in just a couple of minutes at 9.10. Another television crew arrested in Qatar. Uh, last time around, it was a German television crew doing a documentary on the working conditions in Qatar. This time, a BBC television crew has been arrested. Now, uh, the, the Qataris have issued a response to this, uh, to this news saying that the BBC crew technically trans, uh, trespassed on private property, refused to be part of a a group uh, a group tour. I, I mean, I, you have to read this here. Maybe we could tweet it out uh, later. Uh, the government communications office invited a dozen reporters to see firsthand some substandard labor accommodation as well as some of the newer labor villages. We gave the reporters free reign to interview interview whomever they chose and to roam unaccompanied in the labor villages. In addition, we arranged a roundtable discussion and one-on-one interviews with the Minister of Labor and Social Welfare, Secretary General of the Supreme Committee for Legacy and Delivery, that's a hell of a title, and the Directors of Worker Welfare at the Cutter Foundation. I say that the... The BBC crew violated, uh, you know, Qatari law, which essentially is the same as everybody else's law, that you can't trespass on private property, et cetera, et cetera. Now, I don't know the ins and outs and the details uh, because I wasn't there. Uh, I'm not sure I trust the Qatari response 100 percent, but I think it'd be folly to trust that the BBC crew did exactly what they were supposed to do uh, either. Uh, At the same time. The PR is still not good for the Qataris, and they have to, they're, they're dealing with this. They're going to continue to deal with this. We're going to continue to shine the spotlight on the labor conditions in Qatar as they build towards the 2022 World Cup. Now, it's sh- th- those labor conditions should be um, highlighted at all times, regardless of what's being built, whether it's a stadium or some high-rise hotel. Uh, but the football world is paying attention because of the 2022 World Cup. This story is extremely distressing to me. It appears that the Brazilian FA sold the, the ability to pick teams and squads to a marketing firm. This is a, a scandal that's breaking, uh, yes, that broke yesterday. Ricardo Teixeira, former head of the Brazilian FA, and his father-in-law, um, what's his name? Ah, I had it right here in front of me, and I've lost it. Former, oh, Havalange, that, that's obviously who that is apparently sold the rights to pick the Brazil squad to some marketing firm for a mil- for a couple million dollars pocketed the money it's this is why this is why it's very difficult sometimes to bury that sense that soccer is just so corrupt that we don't even want to watch it sometimes just disgusting stuff we may explore that story down the road 
Uh, Louis Van Hall has hinted that David De Gea may now may, may not be long for Manchester United. The goalkeeper reportedly uh, applauding the fans all around Old Trafford. It's supposed to mean something. Obviously, Louis Van Hall hinting things. Where else could David De Gea go that would uh, satisfy the big club requirement that he's clearly uh, he's clearly deserving of? It's a good question. The U.S. Women's National Team beat Mexico 5-1 yesterday in their latest World Cup um, warm-up match. That game was 1-1 at halftime, and the United States turned it on in the second half to dominate the Mexicans. My uh, my biggest thing, my biggest takeaway from that game, despite uh, just, uh, aside from the fact that the United States won 5-1, is that the Mexican National Team, they look like a character from Yo Gabba Gabba. This is the kind of comedy gold you get if you follow me on Twitter at DavisJSN, so there you go. Barcelona has won the La Liga title. Not completely unexpected the way things have gone the last couple of months, but it wasn't that long ago that we were sort of burying Barcelona. Obviously, they've turned it on. They're in a Champions League final. They still have the Copa del Rey in play, and now they've won the La Liga title. This despite the fact that Ronaldo went off yesterday for Real Madrid. It did not matter. There goes Barcelona. Boca Juniors, as a... um, as a comp, uh, as a consequence of that uh, incident during the Copa Libertadores last week, that, tr- that disturbing incident in which players from River Plate were sprayed with some sort of chemical after a fan gained access to the tunnel by cutting open a fence, have been kicked out of the Copa Libertadores. We'll have to keep an eye on this development as well and talk to some ex- uh, some uh, South American football experts as to what this might mean for the tournament going forward. I don't have a whole lot of time to get into scores. We can do that when we take phone calls later on in the show. Right now, we've got to get out of the way, take a break, get Tom Marshall on the line. Let's talk about Mexico, playoffs, Kubo, pitch invasions. It's all going to be a good time with Tom Marshall. Don't go anywhere. Soccer morning, worldsoccertalk.com. We're just about three weeks away from the Women's World Cup tournament that kicks off on June 6th, and World Cup fever is starting to build. To stay on top of all action and to support your national team, be sure to download the new app entitled Women's World Cup Challenge. With the free app, you can get a schedule of the entire tournament, play a fantasy game to guess which teams will advance from group stages and then which teams move through the knockout rounds, create and join groups to compete against your friends for pride and prizes, Watch the match center to follow all of the games live while you're at work and read the latest news about all the teams. Developed by an Austin startup who are massive soccer fans, the app is available as a free download for Apple and Android devices in the app and play stores. Follow the Women's World Cup this summer and support the stars of the women's game by downloading Women's World Cup Challenge today. I'm Jason Davis, and I want to invite Soccer Morning listeners to join me this Friday for Columbus against Chicago. During the game, I'm going to be sharing my thoughts and opinions about the MLS action at Rabble.tv. It's a brand new television experience that gives fans the ability to talk and banter about the beautiful game. You'll get a chance to hear my opinions about Crew SC and the Fire, as well as post questions to me via the live conversations thread. If you have an iPhone, that's great. You can use the Rabble app to hear me. Or you can go directly to the website at Rabble.tv. So come on, Soccer Morning listeners. Mark your calendars for this Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern. And let's hang out together at Rabble.tv to talk Crew SC, Fire, and MLS. I look forward to seeing you there at Rabble.tv. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. Here we are back on Soccer Morning and joined now by our friend Tom Marshall. You know him as Mexico World Cup on Twitter. You know him from his numerous television appearances and his written work in various places, including ESPN FC. Tom, how are you? 
I'm good, Jason. Yeah, just recovering from a, a busy weekend of uh, playoff action down yeah, here. Yeah, it was second leg of the playoffs, first round of the Liguilla playoffs in Mexico have been completed. We now have four semifinalists. Uh, let's just just take each one of these ties individually to start here before we get into some of the, well, I was going to say off the field stuff, but it, certainly some of it happened on the field um, in, in Guadalajara. So I, I suppose we should start, and maybe I'll save that one. I'm going to start with Santos Laguna. Uh, and uh, and Tigres. Tigres, the top seed in the tournament, and Santos took them down 2-1 on aggregate. Uh, explain to me how that played out. Um, it was um, it was probably the the least exciting of them all, but this was this was first seed, like you said, Tigres going against the eighth. Santos Laguna, who just about sneaked into the playoffs on the last uh, day of the regular season with, through a series of pr- pretty much freak results, to be honest. Um Santos got the 1-1 draw at home, but that was uh, Tigres got the away goal. And then Santos just absolutely managed the game over, up there in Monterrey against Tigres and uh, scored in like uh, in, the, in the second half with Giardini, uh, from, uh, who's uh, from Cape Verde. So it's a, it was a, a really well-managed game from, from the Portuguese coach Pedro Caixinha and, um, and a really sh- a shock result. This is no doubt about it. Tigres were one of the favourites. Um, so yeah, big shot there uh, with with Santos Laguna. It, it look, <laughs> just there, there's a theme here. I mean, this is Santos, the eight seed, taking out Tigres, the the top team in the Clausura. Uh, every other higher seed lost. Yeah, all four, all four of the top uh, regular season finishes went out, and the five, six, seven, and eight went through. I think it was the first time in history that it's happened. Um, and yeah, just just so unpredictable, and honestly, you know, just uh, just a weekend of shocks down here in Mexico. Uh, the other, let's uh, let's go to Veracruz and Querétaro. Uh, Querétaro, obviously, Ronaldinho's club, so uh, I imagine he had something to say in this tie. A two-one in the first leg for Querétaro, and then a, a draw in the second leg. Querétaro goes for goes through four-three on aggregate. Tom. Yeah, Ronaldinho scored the goal um, in the I think it was the eighty-third minute, to, which pretty much sealed Querétaro's. Uh, Passage through to the semis. I mean, he got a bit of luck with it with the goalkeeper. It was a big, big mistake from Meliton Hernandez. But um, yeah, Ronaldinho. He played. He started both games, and that followed a series of four games where he was on the bench for Querétaro. So wow. things are looking up a bit now for Ronaldinho. I think he's kind of clicking. I think he's smelling a championship. I think when he came to Querétaro, he's got this thing that he likes to say that he's, he's won a championship at every club. If you look at the facts, it's not actually hundred percent true, but. Um, you know, he's four 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 games away now from uh, from lifting the Liga MX title. Uh, that's uh, he's uh, he must be well rested then if he if he got some bench time. Maybe that's the key <laughs> to all of this. Uh, yeah, let's cool. go. Let's go to Pachuca taking out uh, Club America. Obviously, Club America is the uh, Concacaf Champions League winner, and we know how talented they are and and how good they can be on their best day. Both these games delivering goals, Tom. Yeah, this was this was massive. I mean, seven five on aggregate over the two legs. So this was just absolutely a wild series. Um, you know, Pachuca went into the second leg three two up, and um, you know, America got a red card through Galtz. Paulo Galtz got sent off for a, a stupid challenge, and I think from there, you know, the writing should have been on the wall. But America came came out, and they and they were up. Um, they're up three two and, and set to go through until you know a last minute penalty. But you know this is a from an America point of view, this is a massive um, failure. I mean that this club was put together, this team was put together with a lot of money in the preseason. The deal was that they had to win the Concacaf Champions League and and go for that that consecutive title. I mean they're the reigning champions, so. Mm-hmm. And it's not happened, and I think that it was a, a real lack of um, a bit of naivety, really. Um, they played like they did against Montreal with very little in the way of defence, um, <laughs> and and just just playing just overloaded with forwards. And I think that in the end they got caught out because of that. But you got to say, what an exciting team to watch! I mean, Gustavo Matasos, the coach, is getting a lot of criticism, but I mean, you know, seven five on aggregate. They, this this it was absolutely wild. The series it was uh, it was great to watch. Uh, Pachuca, really young team, got I think a lot of you know future Mexico national team players. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem now for Pachuca is that Eric Gutierrez, the young 19-year-old centre midfielder, and winger Irving Lozano have already left to join Mexico's under-20s squad in Australia 
for the for the World Cup later this month in New Zealand. Uh, so that's yeah, that's certainly going to to hurt their cause. Um, let's um, let's go to uh, Guadalajara, Chivas de Guadalajara and Atlas. Obviously, uh, these two teams, Guadalajara based. Uh, the first leg delivered no goals, Tom. So I don't even know if we want to spend any time on it. You might give us a sense of what happened there. But the second leg, four uh, one on aggregate or four one win for for Chivas. They go through. The story is not only that scoreline, but what happened with a, a pitch invasion by some Atlas fans and some crowd trouble after that? Yeah, it was uh, the first game was absolutely very dull, really dull, and I think both teams kind of settled. But the, yeah, the second leg, I mean, it was an unbelievable atmosphere in the stadium. Um, you know, the, the crowd was split fifty-fifty in Mexico, and unlike most European and South American, South American countries, is actually not segregated. So you get fans mixing, and, and for me, it's one of the most appealing things about going to a, a Mexican game, especially when it's a Clásico or a derby. Um, but what we had happening um, yesterday was that Chivas went 4-1 up, Marco Fabian with, with three absolutely unbelievable goals, mm-hmm. and then the Atlas fans just kind of just had enough. And, and, and when I'm saying Atlas fans, I'm talking about the Barra Brava or the, or the hardcore fans behind the goal. They just had enough. This is a team that doesn't have a trophy since 1951. And they, they just got so frustrated. And one guy jumped the barrier, got on the pitch, and kind of every, the Atlas fans were kind of applauding him. Um, and then after that, about 20 or 30 also jumped the barrier. And they were charging towards the Atlas manager because they've got the, a lot of Atlas fans don't like Thomas Boy. Um, a couple of them towards the Chivas players. So it, was a, it, it got to be actually quite a dangerous situation. So the game was suspended for 15 minutes and Atlas fans were still trying to get onto the pitch. The police had to kind of, kind of, it was like a human shield to stop them coming on. So yeah, really ugly scenes there. Um, and I think it highlights, I mean, I, I go regular to the study of Jalisco. The same happened in the, after the quarterfinal of the Apertura 2014 with Atlas fans. Um, you know, I think the policing has to be looked at. Big time. I mean, really does something. Something more serious is going to happen at some point, unless they really um, change the way these games are policed and 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 do something about this hardcore element because um, you really don't want it to to become like it is in Argentina right now, which is you know just disgraceful. Yeah, absolutely. You certainly don't want it to get to that level. Um, video of this is at Deadspin, at least if you want to see it. Uh, it's you know it's. It, it's bad. It looks to me like some Atlas fans managed to, to steal a baton or two, so they're whacking at the at the riot police. And obviously, there's people on the on the pitch. Chepo looks like he has no idea what's going on on the sideline. And Marco Fabian at one point is waving off Chivas players because, of course, it's a danger for the players. Were any players uh, accosted, attacked, injured in this incident? And there's one Atlas player who was pushing and shoving with a fan. Uh, I think one of the one of the one of the peop- one of the fans on the pitch uh, got near to Thomas Boy, um, Luis Michel, the Chivas goalkeeper. He was obviously nearest the fans, and he just absolutely sprinted the length of the pitch. But you know, luckily there was nothing more serious. But at the end of the day, you know, these things have to serve as warnings that is so close to something bigger happening that uh, you know they have to stamp down on this now because it's uh, it's an embarrassment to a game and honestly this weekend Jason was you know it's unbelievable in terms of what happened on the pitch and mm-hmm. in in the league remix and and you know this kind of episode of violence kind of overshadows that and that's that's sad absolutely and and as you said Marco Fabian scored three great goals um you know obviously a, a major influence this is a player just to give a timeline here Tom and you can fill this out for me this is a player who for a little while wasn't working at, at Chivas went on loan to Cruz Azul comes back and now at 25, seems to be um, what everybody thought he could be. What's his What's his future, and what does he mean to Chivas right now? Yeah, I mean, it was unbelievable. I mean, it was it was just a pleasure to watch the performance. And I, I really don't say that lightly. He was just completely in control of the ball and and what he was doing, and and as a result of the game, because he scored three unbelievable goals um, in the first half. Uh, I think that um, he's going to go to Europe sooner rather than later. I think he's got a kind of um, an unwritten deal with Chivas that if a decent offer comes in then he will be off because he's wanted to go before he said he wanted to go and the club haven't let him go because a, a big enough offer hasn't come in I think now there's kind of a tacit understanding that that if, if a, a semi-decent offer comes in they will now let him go and uh, 
if he plays like that, I mean, this is a player who, just to put this in perspective, really now at 25 years old should be a regular in the Mexican national team. I mean, the talent that he has, very few players can do what he did yesterday. I mean, it was really was a demolition, a one-man demolition of Atlas. So, yeah, uh, hopefully he's got that maturity and, and has found, he's found consistency this season, which traditionally has been the, the problem with Marco Fabian. I imagine we'll see him at the Gold Cup this summer. He's going to be at the Copa America. Ah, so ah win- that's interesting. Win- that's good for yeah. us. Good for American fans. <laughs> yeah, and a uh, window, uh, window opportunity for him, really, to for that European move to, to really do sure. it against some of the South American big boys. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, definitely a showcase for Marco Fabian. Uh, just quickly, where do you imagine? I mean, I, I think sometimes these things are obvious, but where do you imagine a soft landing place for him would be? I mean, we're talking about... Mid-table La Liga, uh, obviously there's some, been some Mexican success in, in Holland. Where would you see him go? It's interesting. There's been quite a lot of talk over the last couple of years about Germany. Ooh, you know, a team like Wolfsburg or, or you know, uh, obviously not Bayern Munich, but, you know, one of the, one of the top half, top third teams big, over there in the Bundesliga. Big move. That'd be a big move. Yeah, it'd be exciting. I mean, you know, it's always, I, don't know, I think it's always good to see the Mexican players go over there and see how they can do and... Uh, you know, I think the Bundesliga would be uh, it'd be a real challenge for him. But I think that's what he needs because he can step up when it is the big stage. And I think he does need to be over there now to, to kind of hit the next level in his career, if you know what I mean. Uh, so we'll see where Marco Fabian, look, uh, obviously a Legia to finish out. And, and Chivas now uh, moves on to the next round where they'll play, uh, they'll play Santos Laguna in the semifinals. Meanwhile, Carretero and, and Pachuca. In the semis, uh, Tom, very quickly, how do you handicap those series? I think, I think Pachuca, the fact that Eric Gutierrez and Irvin Lozano are out, I think Carretero are a little bit ahead. Um, Victor Manuel Vucitic is called King Midas. Uh, he's got this Midas touch when it comes to playoffs and winning titles, and winning, especially when it gets to the final. So I think uh, Carretero are on a bit of a roll there with Ronaldinho, and I can see them reaching the final. Santos Chivas... It's a really difficult one. I think it's going to be, a, you know, a real, ta- real tactical battle. I think, I think you've just got to go with Chivas. I think they've got that uh, momentum now, but that that one really could go either way. Uh, let's uh, let's turn to some troubling news uh, out of Guadalajara, uh, Tom. And and this is another young striker at the club. Obviously, Eric Cubo Torres meant to join Houston Dynamo when this season is over. For Chivas, and there's uh, there's news out a report that says he's been accused of a sexual assault. Now, without getting into the the details of it, because that's for ultimately that's for authorities and, and and a court to decide. However far this goes, do you see this as a as an impact on his immediate future or or anything to do with his move back to MLS? Uh, it's a difficult one to say. I'd, I'd say that um, I think he'll still be able to join at the end of the season. Um, I think obviously. PR point of view, it doesn't look good, no. um, and that's not saying obviously that's not saying he's guilty or not guilty. It's a, it's an accusation of it's actually labelled sexual abuse, okay. not sexual assault, okay. which is slightly different. Um, I mean, you know, this this uh, this young girl, nineteen year old, has come out and, and made this claim that she was at a party with Chivas players. Um, it was it was the day after the Copper MX final, yeah. and only a few days before before Chivas faced uh, America in the Classical Nacional. So, you know, it doesn't look good from that stand, that point of view. And then, you know, it's one of those that it's just going to have to go through the natural court process here and uh, and obviously th- that decision will be made. Um, it is a, is a really tricky situation to, yeah. to you know, to, to talk about more than that, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, we, we, we're obviously in a difficult situation here. We do not want to minimize anything that may have happened and certainly don't want to uh, indicate, uh, you know... <laughs> Again, it's, it's just it's very difficult to talk about because um, yeah. you know be, be, look these these things happen uh, they shouldn't happen if they if if this did happen it shouldn't have happened if it didn't happen and obviously uh, we hope that that resolution comes out yeah uh, in, in the meantime though let's let's just sum up because it is of interest to MLS fans and because he is joining Houston who has uh, been on a, a decent little run here last couple of matches but could use the help how has Kubo's season actually gone yeah I mean you know I mean that's the the, the way to look at it is just it's really kind of um, coming to a, a disappointing end. To be honest, I mean, obviously, this this accusations out there um, in the first leg of the quarterfinal, he wasn't even in the in the Chivas eighteen on uh, yesterday on Sunday. He was he, he was an unused substitute. 
Um, he's not been playing much at all since the Copper MX final. Um, you know, this is a Mexican international. And Chepo de la Torre has got him a third choice striker in a formation that only has one one main striker. So you can see there that how he's been restricted in terms of minutes. So yeah, it's been uh, extremely disappointed from Kubo's point of view um, in terms of not getting minutes. I mean, you know, it's, it wasn't what was expected, and uh, I'm sure he's desperate now to. To, to win this season and get up there to Houston as quickly as possible. Yeah, you know, I, I, I wonder why, I, mean, I guess you just never know, and certainly Kubo's talented enough that if they had had a, a slew of injuries or if Chepo had decided to go in a different direction, he might have been used, but um, why not consider an earlier release, especially in light of uh, Miguel Herrera coming out and saying he, he told Kubo to stay in MLS? Yeah, no, I mean, from Chivas' point of view, you get one injury and then Kubo's all, all of a sudden the first guy coming in off the bench. So yeah. you can understand why Chivas don't want him to uh, don't want to let him go. Um, but yeah, I mean, I spoke to Chepo de la Torre actually uh, about a couple of weeks ago and I asked him about Kubo and he said, you know, basically what happened is Kubo turned up a bit late to the preseason because of uh, international duty with Mexicans under 23s. And then, you know, he, he kind of wasn't quite in rhythm like the other players. And, and you know, Omar Bravo, the experienced captain of the team, is, is very soon going to be the highest ever goal scorer at Chivas. He's going to overtake Chavarez. And um, he's in there. He's got the experience. He's captain. He's the leader. And Kubo's had to wait. And, uh, you know, that that's basically it. There's, there's according to Chepo, there's no, just nothing more than that. It's just his decision. And he's gone for that experience ahead of... Uh, Ahead of the youngster. Will we see Kubo in anything this summer for the Mexican national team? I mean, the the the, the big ones, the the Pan American Games. Now, I mean, I think there's we've got the Copa America squad. He's not in it. The Gold Cup squad, the strikers picked themselves. He's not in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I can't imagine Houston would be too happy if Kubo Torres, just after the money they've spent on him is going to go to the Pan American Games. No disrespect to the Pan American Games, but it's not one of those top, top events on the, on the footballing calendar. Um, so I think that's the, that's the big thing now for, yeah. for Houston fans and Kubo Torres. Is, is that a, is that a, U, is it a U22 tournament or is it a U23? I can't, I, I can't, I haven't been paying attention because the U.S. isn't going, Tom. So yeah. uh, I know it's, uh, this is the, the Toronto event. Yeah, it's a, it's a U22. It's, def, it's just squarely uh, um you know, it's building up to the Olympics next year. It's just one one of one of the next steps onto the on the road to the Olympics. So, you know, and Miguel Herrera has been quite set in kind of making sure the under twenties team and the under twenty threes team keep uh, staying together. And he's not been picking a lot of the under twenty threes players for say the Copa America, right. like traditionally right. Mexico have. Right. So, you expect Kubo to be there because if Kubo's not there, then other players might be like, well. If he's not there, why am I going? You know right, what I mean? Right. So um, you expect him to be there. But if, I think if you're a Houston Dynamo fan and you've just got this, this Mexican international for your club and then he goes to the Pan American Games, you'd be obviously upset, be yeah. pretty disappointed. Tom Marshall, Mexico World Cup on Twitter. Always fascinating to talk to Tom about Mexican uh, football. He covers it uh, as well as anybody. And we appreciate your time as always, Tom. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on, Jason. Yep, let's take a break. When we come back, let's talk about LAFC and their stadium plans with Kevin Baxter from the LA Times. Don't go anywhere. Be right back. I'm Jason Davis, and I want to invite Soccer Morning listeners to join me this Friday for Columbus against Chicago. During the game, I'm going to be sharing my thoughts and opinions about the MLS action at Rabble.tv. It's a brand new television experience that gives fans the ability to talk and banter about the beautiful game. You'll get a chance to hear my opinions about Crew SC and the Fire, as well as post questions to me via the live conversations thread. If you have an iPhone, that's great. You can use the Rabble app to hear me. Or you can go directly to the website at Ravel.tv. So come on, Soccer Morning listeners, mark your calendars for this Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern. And let's hang out together at Ravel.tv to talk Crew SC, Fire, and MLS. I look forward to seeing you there at Ravel.tv.
We're just about three weeks away from the Women's World Cup tournament that kicks off on June 6th, and World Cup fever is starting to build. To stay on top of all action and to support your national team, be sure to download the new app entitled Women's World Cup Challenge. With the free app, you can get a schedule of the entire tournament, play a fantasy game to guess which teams will advance from group stages and then which teams move through the knockout rounds, create and join groups to compete against your friends for pride and prizes, watch the match center to follow all of the games live while you're at work, and read the latest news about all the teams. Developed by an Austin startup who are massive soccer fans, the app is available as a free download for Apple and Android devices in the app and play stores. Follow the Women's World Cup this summer and support the stars of the women's game by downloading Women's World Cup Challenge today. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. Here we go back on Soccer Morning and joined now by Kevin Baxter of the LA Times. Let's talk about LAFC and their pretty audacious stadium plans. Kevin, how are you? Kevin, are you with me? I'm having a hard time hearing you. I'm just hearing like every sixth word. Oh, that's not good. Uh, hopefully oh, there you go. You're better there. Maybe that was okay. the, the music I was using to introduce the segment. Uh, let's Let's just dive straight in while we have a decent connection, Kevin. Okay. Uh, LAFC uh, announced that they were going to make an announcement because that's how the world works these days. And uh, over the weekend, word has gotten out uh, through yourself and various sources that the announcement is about a stadium plan. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. What, what exactly is involved here? Well, it's going to be a 22,000-seat open-air stadium. Um, it, it'll be the first major professional sports venue built, open-air sports venue built in Los Angeles since Dodger Stadium opened in 1962. It's going to have convention space, restaurants um, incorporated into the into the plan of the stadium. is a, a fantastic view of downtown Los Angeles. It'll be at the site of the sports arena, which is in the shadow of the Coliseum. Um, it, that's the site MLS has been talking about for for years, going back to uh, midway through the Chivas USA days when Chivas are looking for a place. So um, it's a well-known area. Um, the one problem is, the one sort of flying ointment is, uh, because of the permitting process, because of the demolition of the sports arena, which will include asbestos abatement and then construction, uh, LAFC's debut will be pushed back a year to 2018. And that's uh, something that's kind of been a little bit lost. I thought Don Garber had a great schedule of rollouts for uh, you know, expansion franchise joining the league, and this really kind of messes that up. Yeah, this, this is that is very interesting to know. Now, of course, you know we've got a team like NYCFC who doesn't have a stadium plan or isn't even close, but they went ahead and jumped into the league playing at an ill-fitting venue. There's no sense that LAFC might start in 2017 and play somewhere that isn't exactly where they want to be. No, and exactly precisely because of what you just said with with New York FC. And, and to a lesser extent with Orlando as well. Both those stadium plans have gotten derailed by by uh, local political issues. And the league is extremely unhappy with both situations, especially the, the situation in New York where uh, New York FC is playing at Yankee Stadium. It's an iconic venue, obviously, and it's gotten them a lot of attention. But at the same token, it is a baseball stadium. No. Um, and so, so the league has decided, no, we're not going to do that again. We're not going to open until these guys and, – and until these uh, – this team has a stadium, and I think it'll be the same rule for Minnesota and Atlanta as well. Now, the league has been very focused on making sure that these stadiums are, now you said, derailed a little bit in Orlando. NYCFC is in, uh, it hasn't gotten there yet, but the league has started to focus very heavily on getting the right stadium in the right place. Uh, for those who don't know Los Angeles geography, obviously the Coliseum's right there, but what is that? How, how is this location good for soccer and good for LAFC, and how, how might it not be good? Well, it's good because it's uh, located near light rail terminus. It, it, there is a lot of uh, public transportation there. There's a huge park, exposition park, where uh, the Coliseum is, the museum complex. All that is right there. So um, it's it's a place where you could go and, and uh, you know have tailgates or you you know um, the supporters could gather and march to the stadium, that kind of stuff. Which you can't do at the StubHub Center, by the way. For all the Galaxy success, there uh, the stadium uh, is not conducive to a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, it's downtown, uh, or close to downtown, which Don Garber insisted was a must. 
uh, a must. The, the drawbacks of it's in a, a, a kind of a economically depressed area. Um, USC has had a lot of success playing at the Coliseum. They play, for the most part, Saturday afternoon games. I think it might be a difficult place to get to and a difficult place to be, say, in a midweek night game. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the LAFC has embraced that. Tom Penn, the, CEO, the president, said, you know, we're a gritty team, we're an urban team. Uh, this fits us perfectly. That's, that's, <laughs> that's an interesting characterization uh, for a team with, the, with that group of investors. Um, I thought the same thing. I thought the exact same thing. <laughs> um, a, a couple. Okay, the, the next question for me. They're obviously spending a lot of money. I think the the price tag is two hundred fifty million. Is that what you said? Correct, and that will make it the most expensive privately financed soccer specific. Sorry for the adjectives, but privately financed soccer specific stadium in U.S. history. Now they're getting no. They're getting no help locally in terms of uh, uh, financing. Is there any tax breaks, anything like that, that has been such an issue in other uh, other cities? Well, there is. We won't know the, the figure on that for some time. They, they were uh, very adamant about saying that there would be no public or uh, you know public financing of this, um, which they were so adamant about saying that it made me a little leery. They will say they say that they're going to get some tax uh, help. They're going to get some other sort of. Uh, uh, they can take advantage of other government programs. That you know, as they said, even Walmart would get to do that. It's not anything sure. special for us as a sports sure. franchise or LA City. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it's just if you do construction in the city of Los Angeles, there are certain programs you can avail yourself of, and they intend to do that. Now, obviously, it's an impressive price tag. Twenty-two thousand is a good size for a soccer stadium in the United States. But is this going to be? Is is that money? How much of that money is about the land and, and securing the site and, and uh, you know, clean up, and how much is actually going into the building of the stadium? That's a good question. I think, for, for the most part, the, the 250 is the building of the stadium. I think there'll be other costs. Um, but uh, we've been talking about there's been plans in place to tear down the, the sports arena for a long time, and, and that money may, uh, you know, we'll have to see this plays out. They, they have a permitting process to go through. They have certain hurdles that both they and the Coliseum Commission which manages the sports arena. They have to meet certain uh, uh, road, road marks along the way. We won't know all that until the end of July. But my understanding is most of the money is going, is going to the stadium, mm-hmm. uh, construction of the stadium. It's, I've seen the drawings. The beautiful stadium the crowd will be very close. And they, they have it's open air, but there's you know, a roof protection against the sound, that kind of stuff, that actually is, is acoustically set to, to track sound inside. So it will create quite uh, an environment for the supporters. Now, Kevin, the, uh, the LAFC to this point has been kind of a haphazard, hit or miss type of entity. They don't they don't really have a personality yet, even if they want to call themselves urban and gritty. Their 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 Twitter presence is very strange. Are they going to start getting their act together? I'm sorry to say it bluntly. Well, they say that this was what they needed to do first, but they couldn't do anything until they got a stadium. So that's done. So if you take them at their word, they should be good to go um, and start working on some of those other things. You know, technically, we don't have a name for the team yet. LAFC has a working title, which everybody in Hollywood, uh, everybody in Hollywood loves working titles. LAFC is a working title. Their color scheme is a working title. They don't have a shield yet. So um, all those things are, are to come. And I think once that happens, then I'll see, I think you'll see some of those things fall into place as far as, uh, you know, they do have a, a, a Facebook presence. They do have that Twitter presence. As you said, it's not much. But remember, there, the franchise is only seven uh, months old, and they're you know two and a half years away from playing, a little longer. So uh, I guess they're not doing too bad. Uh, they they have uh, you know among certain circles they have had some missteps. I don't know if it's a big deal. Certainly not to the people that they're going to be marketing to in LA. And I guess that's the next question from your perspective with the Galaxy established and certainly willing to spend money on some big stars and having their own building, not as centrally located, but having their own building, what is that competition going to be like and how does LAFC make inroads with the football fans in L.A.? Well, you know, this is great. I I talked to them about the possibility of a derby, and uh, both sides are really excited about that. The Galaxy has put put up special billboards um, around the sports arena, specifically for today's press conference, where... um, you know, it says uh, LA Galaxy, um, Southern California team since 1992, and talks about all the titles they won and stuff. So the Galaxy is already on board with that, with the fact that there's a rivalry going on. It, it, obviously, that would uh, you know that that's something the league was uh, promoting in New York, and it, it came off very well for them. We'll see uh, what LA will bring. Um, I, I guess 
for me, what's the what's the next what's the next step you imagine? I mean, uh, we were waiting on their announcement clearly, but are, are they going to start hiring some soccer people that we recognize? Are we going to see some of that? Well, they have a CEO. Oh, yeah, I think they're going to start hiring some people. They again, they said that this they couldn't do anything until they got this in place. Um, but you know, for a franchise that hasn't really done anything yet, today's a big first announcement. You know, they've already been linked to Cristiano Ronaldo. They've been linked to Chicharito as the players they might sign for their first, uh, you know, major signing uh, as Orlando did with Kaká. So, um, you know, they've got a lot. I think they're enjoying the little bit of attention that they're getting because it's all been positive. Um, people look at how much money they have and the fact that LA is such a star city. You have to have star power. That uh, the speculation is 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 great over who are they going to bring in, and I, I think they're liking that. And so. Uh, you know, for them, I think it, it behooves them to be a little bit quiet. You don't want to step up. You know, it's everyone saying, look, it makes sense for them to get Cristiano Ronaldo. The timing works. The money works. For them to step forward and say, no, we're not really contemplating that, it wouldn't be in their best interest. They're getting sure. a lot of attention for mm-hmm. things they aren't doing right now. And, uh, you know, I think they like that. This is a Hollywood group. That's one thing you got to have to remember in California. This is a Hollywood group. They have Hollywood publicists to run their, their operation in a Hollywood kind of way. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I, I think they're going to continue to sort of do that. Uh, in, in Hollywood, it's like, nope, we'll see that publicity, but you sort of keep everything quiet and don't uh, you know, actually confirm anything until you have to. It, it, is, it is interesting that the Hollywood way of doing things is interesting for those of us who aren't used to that, but they, they do have a star-studded uh, investors group. Who do you expect to be the, the lead? I mean, look, we, we know Magic Johnson, obviously, among the most famous in the group, Mia Hamm, from a soccer side of things, and her husband, Omar Garcia Parra. Uh, Gruber is the, the, the big Hollywood guy. Who's the lead? Uh, and, and we know Henry Wen is really the guy running things, but who's the, who's the lead face of this group? Who's going to be out in front selling this as a major league sport to, to Angelinos? Right now it's Tom Penn. Um, but his, his, uh, expertise is in basketball and, and, uh, you know, he's doing a good job, but I think his interest really is in basketball. And that's, and right now it's hard to get, uh, you know, He's, he's focused on the playoffs. He works for ESPN as a basketball analyst. So he's carrying most of the water right now, but he has had one hire, and I, I think they're going to have another hire who's going to sort of become the face of the franchise and be the people that are out there. Uh, you know, Tom Penn is also one of 24 investors, um, and so I think he, he'll be the guy on the mat. He'll be the guy on the, uh, the stationary, you know, as president. But I, I think the person that we're going to be talking to on a daily basis has yet to be hired. Kevin Baxter of the Los Angeles Times as LAFC, whatever they're going to be called eventually. I guess maybe one more question, Kevin. Do you think they're going to change it yeah. or are you going to stick with that? No, we talked with Tom and I talked a little bit about that the other day. Um, I think they like that. It rolls off the tongue nicely. The color scheme, I love their black and, and red color scheme. And that, you know, when we talk about wanting to be gritty and urban, yeah. you know, all the things in LA are blue or purple or gold and some really nice, happy color. If they want to be urban and tough, which they say they do, and I agree with you, an investor group that includes uh, that, uh, you know, those people, it's not going to be, uh, um, uh, you know, it's not going to be uh, urban and gritty. But, um, yeah, I think they're going to keep that. I think they're going to keep the colors. The color scheme is really nice. They, they do have, they do, well, I mean, red's a color popular in MLS, but, but maybe that combination can make them unique. Uh, it's yeah. Kevin Baxter from the LA Times as LAFC gets ready to announce their stadium oh. deal. Uh, stadium plans at the Sports Arena site in L.A. Kevin, I appreciate your time. I know you're getting ready to travel. Uh, thank you very much, and perhaps we'll talk in the near future. Thanks for the call. There goes uh, Kevin Baxter. Good stuff from him. And uh, definitely go check out that story uh, at the L.A. Times website uh, announcing this uh, or, or reporting on this deal. It's Soccer Morning but, uh, Soccer Morning on WorldSoccerTalk.com. When we come back, I will take your phone calls. Be there. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. Get on the line to get on the air, 646-832-3909. A couple of corrections from my discussion there with Mr. Baxter. Number one, I said I think I said Gruber when I meant Goober. Maybe I had Die Hard on my mind. I don't know. And number two, of course, DC United is also black and red. 
So maybe red and black? I don't know. I don't know how LAFC uses that to their advantage. I think it might work for the LA market, but of course, yes, they are not the first MLS team to go with those colors, clearly. And Steven Storr on Twitter has reminded me as uh, of that, which I would have remembered anyway. It just didn't come out in that moment. 646-832-3909. We talk about LAFC and that stadium deal getting done. Uh, again, we've I'm, I'm giving MLS a passing grade on recent expansion, meaning it's not an A, it's not a B, but it's not even it's not a failure. Orlando City is a success, and they've got big numbers out. Well, they have 30,000 this weekend, right? First home win over the LA Galaxy. We can talk MLS, by the way. Definitely talk MLS. 4 nothing win over the LA Galaxy. 30,000 people in attendance. If I'm shorting that, I apologize, but whatever. The point stands. They are a success so far. Now, they have issues getting the last bit of funding done for their stadium construction to turn it into a jewel of the league rather than, hey, let's just throw up something with some stands that can hold some people. Uh, NYCFC is nowhere close to a stadium. Minnesota United, they have a big press conference, and now we're not really sure where things stand, and there's some pushback, and the uh, the government may be in the pocket of the Vikings, et cetera, et cetera. LAFC was also in this group of, okay, what are we doing here exactly? You killed Chivas. Okay, that's, uh, that. Uh, you know, whatever. They, were, they didn't have any stadium prospects. The Vergara's were terrible. It's okay. Let's just let let let's do that. Then you start out. You you give franchise rights to a group of people, twenty four of them, per Kevin Baxter, and and you say, okay, well, wait wait a second, why are we doing this again? Unless they have something lined up, but apparently they did because they're going to announce it today. Now it's a long way from getting done, but two hundred fifty million dollars spent on the stadium is a pretty damn good investment, Fi- uh, privately financed. They've raised the cash. Good for them. So I'm giving MLS a passing grade right now on the current wave of expansion and, and, and the proposed teams that have already had press conferences. Now, I'm not throwing Miami into this mix, although that definitely pulls the grade down. Because they went, Garber went down there, stood next to David Beckham, said a bunch of words that meant nothing. Because right now, there is no movement in Miami. And if I'm mischaracterizing that, Tell me, because I haven't heard about it, because it's not in the news. So at least LAFC is making progress. Again, they still have to clean up, tear down the sports arena, clean up that site, do the environmental study, get all the permits done, actually build the stadium. They have to do all of those things. So they're still a long way away, and apparently they're going to be pushed from 2017 to 2018. So that's a ding on the MLS plan. But if they can fill that place, if they get it built and they fill that place up, then, you know, obviously in retrospect, it'll be a success. After so much, after so many home runs, sorry to mix my metaphors, but after so many home runs, MLS actually did have a bit of a problem with continued expansion. And it's not like they're slowing down either. So we'll see what happens. But you had, look, Portland, raging success. Seattle, raging success. Vancouver's great. Um, who am I missing? Montreal, pretty good. Maybe having some problems selling tickets these days, but pretty good. A big win for Montreal this weekend, by the way. So all that stuff is fine. I haven't mentioned Atlanta yet. Atlanta's going to be playing in a football venue. That's not great, but it's big money. Lots of enthusiasm. They're building momentum. Jury's out on Atlanta. And it should be. We We shouldn't have any decisions made about Atlanta yet. And now Don Garber's going to be visiting St. Louis this week. San Antonio's certainly in the mix. And I can see a future in which Indianapolis gets closer with Indy 11, should they get their stadium deal done. Do you have thoughts on this? 646-832-3909. Those MLS results of interest to you, we can talk about that. Joe on Twitter is just hammering me to talk about Tobin Heath. And yes, I want to talk about Tobin Heath. If I had the O Baby drop from the best soccer show here, I would use it because Tobin Heath is breaking fools. Did you see it? Did you see the move? And then the cross, and then the goal from Abby Wambach. Did you see it? Because it was good. It was sick. Don't ever, don't ever let anybody tell you 
that women's soccer is not enter- as entertaining as men's soccer, please, please. Not with that. Did you see any of those moves in in any league this any game in any league this weekend? Maybe you saw a couple. Saw a nice run from Michael Bradley. Didn't include an elastico. Washington and New York. What's up? Hey, what's up, Jason? How's it going, man? How you doing? Um, I think this is great news with uh, LAFC stadium announcement because I know New York is not going to be outdone by LA. So I think that's going to be pressure, more pressure for us to get a stadium. And uh, I know you put, uh, you know, you're saying, oh, New York's not even close. I think I want to, I want to feel that things happening behind the scenes. And with New York being New York and having so many iconic locations, I think we're in better shape than, say, a Miami, who only has the beach. So there you go. Okay, uh, fair um, enough. Wanna, fair enough. No matter fair where, no matter where NYCFC builds, you're probably going to have a decent skyline, right? Is that what you're saying? Like that, right. that at least exactly. Be exactly. Right. I mean, we talked about this. I mean, if they want to go to the beach, we can go to Coney Island. They, you know, right next to Yankee Stadium, that's perfect too. There place plenty of places in Brooklyn, plenty of places in Queens. I have faith we're going to find a location. I'd rather them take a minute and get the right ones and give me one now and it be the wrong one, if you know what I mean. I, I, I'm with you. I agree on that front. But again, they start the team up. And I know you're happy to be able to go out to Yankee Stadium and see MLS in the five boroughs, in the Bronx, but Washington to start that team up and then have to spend three years figuring out where they're No, I'm with play. you. I agree with you. I agree with you. It's it's rough. I mean, I don't mind spending the time. Like it, it would be a lot better if while we're at Yankee Stadium, our our stadium was currently being built right now. Like that would that yes. that would be a lot easier. Of course. But of course. like I said, I'd rather wait a little bit. And I'm sure I I have faith things are happening behind the scenes. I appreciate it. Yeah. I mean, I appreciate well, the call. What, you got anything else? Washington, go ahead. Yeah, I do. The, the game. I want to hit. That's the oh, reason I want to talk about yeah, the, the game. Um, the 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 game against Chicago Fire. I know it was a tie. But one thing I wanted to point out was, if you looked at what, what I liked was the leadership. If you looked at David Villa when they tied, if you see, if you go see that highlight, when they tie, he doesn't spend time celebrating. I mean, he, he does the fist pump, then he goes into the goal and grabs the ball. He he's not satisfied with the tie. He wants to go for the win, even though there's practically no time left. I like that, and yeah. I I think that that gives me faith for the future. Yeah, no, it's it's a good sign. It means it, look. Th- Thanks for the call, Washington. I'm going to move on. The, yeah. the, you know, the guy's making a lot of money. We obviously have some history where players come over here, maybe don't appreciate the challenge, uh, maybe don't put in full effort. But these guys, all they're all competitors. They all want to win. They wouldn't have reached the heights they did to earn the money they're making unless they were competitors. So it's good to see David Villa ref- uh, show that on the field for NYCFC. And it's good to see David Villa on the field, period, for NYCFC. Ray in Milwaukee, what's up? Well, the first comment I'd just like to make is the uh, anybody that thinks women's sports is boring um, needs just to go down YouTube and look up Martha. Yeah, well, there she's you go. been doing it for a past decade. Yeah, like go um, go but, watch uh, go watch Japan in the last World Cup. Go watch them play seriously. Yeah, yeah. and then uh, but uh, what we like to talk about is uh, League of Handbacks. I I thought uh, the whole weekend and the two legged affair, and I would even consider the last week of. Uh, regular season play was highly entertaining, entertaining soccer. This is why, you know, I love a playoff system. I, you know, it generates so much more viewership and my personal opinion, I really think it can work. Um, and, and I think the quality of the uh, games are phenomenal as well. Uh, now going to the incident in Guadalajara, I think the real problem is what 90% of fans violence in every stadium throughout the world, it's over alcohol consumption. And it's hard to police all alcohol consumption. And we all know that the owners make a lot of money off of a uh, set product when they sell it. Uh, so you, you're asking them to uh, police it better and uh, also uh, take less revenue of it. I I don't I mean I I see where you're going Ray and, and logically speaking you have to imagine that alcohol played a role in how riled up those Atlas fans were yesterday but at the same time uh, you know I, I think that there's certain there's an element within that group there's something else work at work there there's some intent to be destructive that maybe is independent of alcohol that you have to consider as well 
And, you know, I think, yeah. uh, you know, I think Tom Marshall kind of outlined some of the context there in Mexico. This isn't a regular problem by any stretch. Nobody wants to build, to blow it up into uh, a major issue. But you can't let these seeds sort of grow into trees later on down the road and then have to face a situation where now we've got to ha- have, um, you know, massive security forces to separate fans. Now we need to to line the field with riot police. Now we need to cut off alcohol consumption you know, at, at a certain point, uh, well before uh, the the match is over, or maybe even not sell alcohol at all. I mean, th- those are the that you don't want to get there. So figure out a way to deal with this. Right, I would agree. And then uh, you know, uh, I would just like to say that you know, at least they weren't throwing snowballs at Santa Claus. Oh, sh- come on, Ray. Come on, Ray. <laughs> and taking shots at Philadelphia. Come on, Ray. Thanks for the call, man. <laughs> Have a good one. There you go. Uh, speaking of uh, Philadelphia, big win for them. DC United taking down the first place team in the Eastern Conference. Zach Pfeffer with the goal. Good fight from United. I mean, from uh, the Union. Now, I will say United is coming off of a very, uh, very rough stretch in terms of numbers, number of games played, in a very short window. I'm sure fatigue was a factor for DC United, and yet, when you're the Philadelphia Union and you're a fan, you don't care. You don't care especially in light of the fact that yesterday was the day the Union fans decided they were going to make their stand. They were going to to hold a protest. There were banners. There was a coffin. There was uh, shots taken at Mr. Sikevich uh, up there in Philadelphia. Uh, They very much are support the team, hate the owners, or hate the the management. In this case, I guess Sikevich counts as an owner. He does not have the greatest track record with MLS franchises. That was pointed out by said fans up in Philadelphia. There's also, I mean, I think it's interesting they did all this on a day that their team actually won a game after losing four in a row. But then you have to consider if this is going to have any impact. They made themselves heard, which I think is important. Definitely important. But Sikevich issued a statement regarding this protest before the protest had even occurred, according to people who I know who were at the game in Philadelphia. He said they were in the parking lot having the tailgate. Now, obviously, they had made known their intention to protest. But to have the have the response from Sakevich come out before the fans even filter into the stadium, I don't I, I think that indicates a certain level of um disinterest on the part of the front office of the Philadelphia Union as to this protest. Do they care? You're issuing the statement before you even know what's going to happen in the stadium? I mean, the statement said something I don't have it in front of me, but it said something to the effect of we will support Jim and his staff in an effort to turn this around. This is from Nick Sikavich again. So the protest is actually about Sikavich, not Jim Curtin. And Sikavich deflects and points to Jim Curtin when making a statement about the protest. Now, I understand that his job is to support Jim Curtin. I understand that's just a statement of what he is supposed to do to help the team win on the field. And yet he did not necessarily, it wasn't required that he identify Jim Curtin by name. Because we know this is a team that has a history of turning over coaches. John Hackworth, Peter Novak, in, a very, in, in relatively short time periods. And now Jim Curtin has a difficult task of putting together a team that can actually win games in MLS. Now Jim Curtin has the troubling, uh, has to deal with the troubling fact that he needs Connor Casey to help his team get close to victory. Mike on Twitter, sack is a snake, plain and simple. I'm not, I'm not name calling today, Mike, but hey, you, you, that's your voice. I'm saying my voice is saying it, but that's you stating that thing. I don't have any, I, you know, look, it's interesting to be a, an, a, an impartial party in a situation like this. I think philosophically I should, I can say stuff like make yourself heard, go out and, and stage a protest. Let people know how upset you are. Say that Philly deserves better, that union fans deserve better, especially because of the history of that club built on the back of the fans. But I don't know that I have any personal opinion about Sakavich and the way he's running the team. I can be objectively say it's not going well because look at the results on the field. Look at where they are on the standings. 
But I'm not going to pick apart Nick Sikiewicz and his personality. I don't know anything about that. 646-832-3909. I've had no interaction. I don't think we've ever had Nick Sikiewicz on this show. No? The number of executives, MLS executives we had on Soccer Morning is pretty small. Rob Heineman, Merritt Paulson. Uh, who else? Is that it? Is that the is that the entire list? I feel like have we? I'm trying to think. I can't. I I I think that may be it. I think that may be everybody we've had on this show that is in a position above head coach at an MLS franchise, either as owner or president. I, I'm, maybe there's somebody I'm missing. I'm sure there's somebody I'm missing now that I think about it. Yeah. 646-832-3909. Good show today. Love our guest today. Tom Marshall. It's been a while since we talked to him. Good stuff from him. And uh, obviously Kevin Baxter giving us some insight into what ha- what's happening in L.A. with LAFC. Now, do you imagine that the LA Galaxy are going to just sit on their hands, let LAFC walk into their city in a brand new building that's probably going to outshine the, the, the StubHub Center and just take all their thunder? Because I feel as, the New York Red Bulls are a good team this year. Caveat, the New York Red Bulls are a good team. They made smart signings. Sasha Kleshens is a good signing. Felipe's a good trade. They, they did some good things. But don't you feel as though they let NYFC steal their thunder? Just took it away in the New York market. Do they really make an effort to say, hey, wait, we're here too. We've been here. Now, it, it hurts the New York Red Bulls cause that they don't have any trophies to point to outside of one supporter shield. Whereas in L.A., the L.A. Galaxy can go, hey, look, woo, look at our hands. We've got rings everywhere. Be curious to see how that plays out. Guillermo's on the line. What's up? Hey, good morning, Jason. Hey, um, a good game in Guadalajara uh, and Atlas, right? Lots of goals, um, fan violence, you know, it's, it's awful. But um, at the end, I thought the series was pretty good. But I, I wanted to ask you, and I don't know if you've commented on this, um, where does the league stand um, in regards to the Cubo Torres rape uh, investigation, which I feel is a little more than an allegation since there's an official um, file opened uh, in the investigator's office. Um, I mean, that makes it that, you know, there's enough evidence right, to start a case um, in leaving the country, right? Uh, that would basically yeah. get him off the hook. Um, well, how does the well, league uh, okay. have to make a statement? Um, I, I think that the league needs to bide its time until this reaches a point where they're forced to make a statement. Because, I, again, I think this is a tricky situation. If there's an investigation, you let that play out. You've let this, you, you check to see what the authorities come back with. Because, again, I don't want to declare anybody guilty before an investigation happens. I'm not minimizing the allegations, Guillermo. But until we know the facts, it's very, very difficult. And I think that's got to be the case for MLS as well. And the Houston Dynamo. I mean, they're mo- I'm sure they're closely monitored. Are you kidding me? There's been phone calls. What are you doing? What are you doing? Are you, like, chopping onion? Are you chopping onion? What's happening? I'm feeding eggs for for the, my kids' breakfast. Yeah, good catch. <laughs> I just we got some background noise. I I just think that MLS and, and the Dino have to wait. But I do think if it gets to the point where he can't leave the country because of the investigation, obviously you got to make a statement. And clearly, from an MLS point of view, you you signed him. He's a big name in in the Mexican American community. Clearly, that's part of the appeal. He's also a good player. He's young. This is bad. This is really bad. It, it could be, it could be a problem. I, I don't know. I hope it doesn't get to that point, Guillermo. Yeah. Well, you know, I hope that things, uh, um, you know, the, the the investigation runs its course. What I'm really concerned about, and it, it's like, and, and this happens every time an athlete is, is involved in like controversial um, you know, crime or is investigated. You know, they, they immediately jump to attack the victim. And in this case, I, I feel that it's totally uncalled for. It's, it's I mean, we should let things. Clear yes, out, right? But but to immediately say, you know, she's just a gold digger. She's looking for money. That that's that's really inappropriate. No. And it's the second time it happens in less than a year with La Volpe, uh, you know, basically officially harassing employees. Like this seems to be a pattern in Mexico where these things happen and they get, uh, you know, yeah, you know uh, what, put the, under the, the rug. 
There's been some some high profile stuff. There's been some stuff that's sort of gone away pretty quickly. I, again, I don't want to paint with a broad brush. I mean, I think that you have a culture that sometimes enables athletes to act outside of the bounds of of social, you know, of good behavior, of correct behavior, of you know, not victimizing people. Um, and sometimes I feel like they think they can get away with stuff. I, I don't know that that's the case here, Guillermo. I got to go, man. I appreciate the phone call. I hope those eggs. Easy, man. Yeah, I hope those eggs are good. Don't put milk or water in your eggs, man. Don't do it. I, I don't. Uh, straight yeah. eggs, just a little bit of uh, garlic powder uh, and salt, and right into the into the frying pan. Perfect. Quick, uh, before I go, you know that 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 in New York FC, they cost me money, man. Ten by ten dollar ticket, three to one. Uh, they could have put it away. It could have been <laughs> three to one. And it didn't, so yeah. that sucks for me. All right, Gary. Well, there that. you go. Yeah, you guys call up with your bad beats. If you can, if you, if you lose money on uh, on soccer, I, I would love to hear those stories, especially if you feel like uh, the team had a chance to finish it out and didn't. All right, that's going to do it for the web edition of Soccer Morning on a Monday. Thank you very much for listening. Again, thank you to Tom Marshall for showing up. Thank you to Kevin Baxter for his thoughts on uh, his reporting on LAFC and the stadium deal there. Uh, make sure you're following us at Soccer Morning. You can go buy your Soccer Morning mug at uh, backheel.com slash stow uh, store. You can get your Soccer Morning t-shirt, which I think I have over there somewhere, and maybe one day I'll wear it. Still back and forth on that. At 3nilfc.com, we will get that. Uh, we will probably look very uh, we'll look very soon at creating a different Soccer Morning t-shirt, either a different color or some other sort of thing we can work on that as well if you guys have ideas for designs for a soccer morning t-shirt maybe that doesn't that isn't just the logo but references something from the show we can certainly do that bone to pick no that's not going to happen all right we'll uh, talk to you guys uh, serious xm listeners we'll talk to you in, a, in about an hour everybody else i'll talk to you tomorrow another big episode coming at you talk to them bye